Welcome to Thinking Like a Lawyer with your hosts, Ellie Mistal and Joe Patrice, talking about legal news and pop culture, all while thinking like a lawyer, here on Legal Talk Network. Hello, welcome to another edition of the Thinking Like a Lawyer podcast. I'm Joe Patrice from Above the Law. I'm joined by my colleague, Catherine Rubino. How are Hi, you? Joe Patrice. How are you? You know, good. You know, it's uh, you know, it's it's another day. Yeah, yeah, it's another day. We're inching ever closer to election day, which seems like um, mm-hmm. pretty good news. Yeah, no, I mean, it, we're we're coming down the stretch. Up, we're as of right now, as we're recording, I am putting the finishing touches on yet another drinking game. That so you're going to kill us all. Everybody will have already um cursed me over by the time this comes out. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, listen, you did one for the VP debate and you did one for the first debate, um, not the town hall, the dueling town halls, which, by the way, very surprised that Biden had higher ratings than the Trump town hall, but I'll yeah. take it. So, you know, are you going to go three for three and absolutely knock it out of the park this I, time? I'm trying. I, I'm trying not to not to hurt people. We'll see. <laughs> Please, just, Hammer, don't just, hurt us. <laughs> it just keeps, yeah, yeah, there you go. It just keeps getting worse. Yeah, so we are coming down to the end of that. There's obviously a lot going on. Uh, we've got uh, confirmations, uh, hearings happening. Uh, we had- um, Over, there well, was, yeah, we had advanced a, to the- To the, the, to the floor, floor. Uh, by Nanosphere. That just happened a little bit ago as mm-hmm. we're recording this. But obviously, we have other- topics to talk about uh, that aren't necessarily related to that. But it's been an eventful week in law. But first, we should talk uh, just real quick and note that, you know, we, we've got a few more firms that have given some some bonus, yes. fall bonuses yes. uh, yeah. between Wilkie and um, Aiken. Aiken. Yep. So that's good to know. Yeah, I mean, it's nice to see that not everyone is just blindly following Cravath, that there are some some folks that still, you know, see the value in giving people money early. Yeah. And it's it's a sign that you know, the economy is turning around for the attorneys. And have you ever wondered? Have you? <laughs> I, I, have you I ever wonder, wondered how every law week, fir- Every week around this time, I start to wonder. You start to wonder right now. I start now. to wonder yeah. what law firms have done um, have you in wondered, response to the pandemic. Have you, have you wondered how law firms weathered previous economic downturns that come out stronger on the other side? LexisNexis Interaction has released an in-depth global research report confronting the 2020 downturn lessons learned during previous economic crises. Download your free copy at interaction.com slash like a lawyer to see tips, strategies, plans, and statistics from leaders who have been through this before and how they've reached success again. So uh, going from all of that, we should talk about what's actually the big story of the week for us. Okay. You know, not a big law firm, not a Supreme Court Is justice. it big at all? It, it well, there's a question about whether it's big. Uh, uh, it, uh, I mean, I, I, it's important. I don't know how big it is. Uh, yeah. We, of course, well, I mean, because you know, some people know though we, exactly how some, big it is. Some, a lot of people do know. Unfortunately, actually. too yes. many people found out exactly yes. how big it is. Yes. So, uh, as we record these shows, <laughs> utilizing Zoom, I am here to to just convey to you that I am fully closed right now, <laughs> uh, which makes us different than say. A certain legal analyst who's of great renown on cable news. So Jeffrey yeah, Tubin this happened. week uh, has been apparently fired from The New Yorker and is on a leave from CNN and doesn't appear to be doing a lot of stuff right now because he was conducting 
Well, it, it's personal business. You personal business on 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 the company dime. Yeah, that's yeah, the way to put that's, it. That, um, that is a way to put it. That's for sure. That is a way. Yeah. So Jeffrey Tuman was doing a Zoom conference with people from WNYC and the New Yorker, uh, where he worked until recently, and they <laughs> were very recently. They were doing a simulation of the election, which I didn't simulation of something. I, I guess. didn't quite understand what the logic of this simulation was. Like he played the courts in a simulation of the election. I don't even know what that means, but whatever. So they were doing a dry run of some sort of weird simulation. He did not understand how maybe the camera works. So, okay, okay, yes. He definitely did not understand how the camera works. That is 100% accurate. But let's back up a second. Okay, we're backing up. Just, just, Just a half second. Because regardless of whether or not your camera is currently recording, there are some things you should not be doing when you're in the middle of a work call. I don't care mm-hmm. how boring it is. I've been, I've listened before I was a podcaster slash blogger. I was a lawyer. I worked at legal technology companies. I'm telling you, I've been in boring meetings in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. Never, ever, ever. Even once has the thought occurred to me in lieu of actually. Hey, I could be masturbating right now. Yeah, yeah, that just never even crossed my mind. Yes. Well, apparently uh, it does cross Jeffrey Tubin's mind, allegedly and seemingly confirmed to the extent he is in no way countering this this and, I mean, narrative. People saw it, yeah. right? It's not like it's yeah. not like, oh, you know, he something happened behind closed doors. Like he was on a work Zoom call with his camera on jerking off. That is apparently what has happened. Yes, uh, that is that is the information we currently that have. is that is that is what's happened. And look, and I, as I put it, like. I'm on a lot of bad calls a lot of times. I mean, sure, we work we together. Are. I am on calls with you. Okay, uh, friend. No, I was saying that more as in you that's know not, the kind of calls I'm on. Not, I'm not saying not, any. I'm not making meant, any aspersions. That's not what you meant. Okay. That's not what you meant. It, see, I, I, not what you meant. I feel I'm being you maligned. Do you, do you, do yeah. you, well, you should. First yeah. of all, you should. Okay. Second of all, it was what you were saying. You were trying to malign me, mm. not the opposite. Mm. Uh, anyway, oh, so I. I don't want these noncommittal grunting noises. I don't know what you're doing. When you're just grunting over there. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. No, and, and that's a good point. Point well taken. I doff my hat to you. And doff my hat is a euphemism. No, um, no. So, look. So, I've been on... I'm going to cough. That is you know not what? COVID. That is not COVID. No, that's That is fine. allergies. Yeah. In the last year or so, I've had allergy testing. I found out I'm allergic to the mold that grows between wet leaves when they fall from the trees and they oh, okay. gather in piles. There's apparently a mold that grows in between the leaves, and that is something I'm allergic to. And I recently had a COVID test because I thought my allergies were, in fact, COVID. Fair so. enough. And they were not. They well, were thanks not. for not. clarifying that. Yeah. It's, look, I, I'm on a lot of calls with you that are not particularly yes, entertaining. That is accurate. And uh, I, make, I make the jerk-off motion a lot, but I'm doing it just... Because I'm annoyed at the conversation, sure. not yeah. And you're also kind of pantomiming what you think the other people are doing, and they're doing it like an intellectual masturbation, right? Right. Not yes. a it's physical, figurative. It's the distinction that exists between figurative and literal in this sure, world. And, sure. You know, we feel as though maybe if you're bored with a simulation, um, yeah, you can uh, do anything besides jerk off. Yeah. I mean, look. It, I mean, it, first of all, just the kind of ridiculous self-importance you must have in order... Emphasis on self, yeah. (laughs) Fair. That you must have in order to think that that's an appropriate way to deal with any work situation. Right. 
Like, yeah. Now we're transitioning to kind of the serious conversation, part of the conversation. Yeah. I mean, it is it is still gobsmacking. Like I, I have I have in my lifetime spent almost. 24 hours in a row in, a, in an office. I've slept underneath my desk and I never thought, oh, oh you know, know what this is. This is a really good time to jerk off. Yeah. Also, because I was in a fucking office, right? Right. Like, it was wildly inappropriate. I've never even crossed my mind. Yeah. And and I hear the words office, but even in this pandemic sure. world where you're at home, there's something of a mental barrier between what you're doing for work I guess and not. not for yeah, I, him. Like, but the real issue is there's a number of people uh, in the media. Um, it will surprise no one at all to know that it's they're men in the media who are <sighs> trying this rehabilitation process already, trying to say it's a little too, too soon. Shouldn't we, uh, you know, just say that this was embarrassing and let him go? And the answer to that is no, because yeah. this is this is sexual harassment. Like that's yes. what this is. Yes. Uh, it is not something, it doesn't matter that he didn't intend to do it or whatever, but like when he's doing this sort of stuff. I mean, he did intend, he, he, the, the well, he action, intended to do it. Right, I don't right, think it was right, accidental. Right, what, right, but, the, but, the, but, but that's what I'm saying. And, right. and initially it came out after it was um, a couple hours after the initial story broke that what he was actually doing was revealed. It was, initially it was just that he somehow revealed himself inappropriately or something inappropriate happened on the call and the exact specifics were not yet known. And I can imagine, particularly in a pandemic world, a situation where somebody's wearing boxers right. and stands up quickly or or you know something something happens where they didn't mean to reveal themselves but reveal themselves and i i i that is a very different that is an inadvertent instance the consequences there's still consequences but i think very different he right. it's not like you accidentally like pull over the bottle of lotion and and look what happened wow okay yeah right this is this is a very deliberate action that he took yes yeah, no, and, and it's you not- know, and 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 so it's not like oh, it's so embarrassing. Oh, embarrassing is like like, and you know, when I was in grade school, when I uh oh, this is going a weird direction. No, the the <laughs> strap on my bra broke. Ah, uh, okay. Strap on my bra, and that is something that was inadvertent. It was very embarrassing. I would hate for people to like. To, you know, bring it up years later or get fired as a result of something like that. What's beyond sort of your control. And then something embarrassing happens to you. Right. These things, these things happen. That is part of the human condition. Embarrassment is part of it. It is fine. That is a very different situation than taking deliberately revealing right. yourself. Right. And, and I, I originally, when I uh, heard this, I, I posited the idea that this was some sort of an accident when somebody was just uh, mm. not professionally dressed, but nonetheless sure, which, taking it seriously, which but, can but happen. But that's the sort of thing that in right. the world of COVID, I think right. is right could happen. But I mean, I, I flagged at the time that I felt it might become something worse, uh, which it then did, when sure, well, Tubin's you know. statement about it was that he apologized to his wife, uh, which seemed like not a thing you would do if you accidentally had, you know... Something he is well-practiced at. Yeah, true. Mm-hmm. So uh, this leaves now a hole uh, for... Oh, um, oh, yeah, no, I did not... That one I didn't oh. even... Yeah, no. Th- this leaves now a hole in space where there were legal analysis on CNN uh, and in various other outlets. It seems as though this might be a good time for these networks to consider branching out and bringing on other voices uh, to do these sorts of timely and important legal analysis. Uh, there Catherine are several. at AboveTheLaw.com. Well, there's Sorry. there's definitely Sorry. that. Of course, we we're we're always available. Uh, <laughs> I haven't I haven't done much uh, legal analysis since Al Jazeera America went under. I definitely hitched my star to being a legal analyst for that network, and that uh, <laughs> that, that unfortunately didn't, 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 pan, didn't out. pan out. Didn't pan out. Um, 
But, but there are some real gems that I had while I was there. But still, uh, <laughs> but yes, no, obviously we're available. But more importantly, I think that our colleagues are available. Uh, obviously, Ellie, uh, former co-host of this show, is around. There's plenty of people you can go to. So we're making that pitch mm-hmm. to anybody in the media who's listening, and looking to book people that, uh, you know, we've got between us and the, and more importantly, thinking like the lawyer alums out there for people to go talk to. But yeah, though, this is, um, this is all real life. This is, yeah, this is all real life. So speaking of tools, (laughs) um, (laughs) go ahead. If you work with contracts and don't use contract tools, you're missing a lot. Save time, make more money, and do a better job for your clients with Contract Tools by Paper Software. Contract Tools is the most powerful word add-in for working with contracts. Thousands of lawyers all over the world rely on contract tools every day for every kind of deal. Visit papersoftware.com to watch a demo and get a free trial. As a special offer to podcast listeners, use coupon code LTN2020 to get one month free. That's papersoftware.com and LTN2020. So we also, uh, we just heard from the, speaking of courts, uh, obviously we mm. we have the new justice situation, but we also heard that Biden has proposed his response to this question that's out there about court expansion slash packing and basically what is the plan to deal with the future of the courts after this ACB nomination inevitably is confirmed what will the next administration, and at this point, barring something insane happening before you hear this, we mean next administration, uh, what is the next Not administration more. going to do about this? And apparently the answer is talk about it a bit. Okay. Okay. First of all, I, I have a slightly different take than you do. So before we get into the nitty gritty, can you, um, without editorializing, just kind of give a brief this is what the Biden plan is. Yes. So in a interview with Nora O'Donnell, Joe Biden says that his response to the court reform issue, uh, which earlier he had said uh, back in the beginning of the year, he had mm-hmm. said he was opposed to the idea of court expansion. Sure, uh, because that, it's right, been but, well maligned throughout history. Right. Then he took on more of a stance in those town halls of, well, it depends on what happens with mm-hmm. this nomination. Sure. I'm leaving my options open, but the implication being then, you know, that he would do something. Now, the more concrete answer that he's offering is that he would put together a bipartisan commission of constitutional scholars and practitioners and liberals and conservatives to talk about what court reform might look like. Okay, so your take is uh, I mean, it's the ultimate brush-off move, right? This is the this is the definition of we're going to appoint a committee to talk about something is the way in which governments and officials say this is something we don't really care about and we're going to bury it somewhere. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It is a blow off of, of it. It signals that there's not – that it actually – as opposed to signaling that, hey, this is an important thing we want to look at, it actually sends the opposite message. It sends the message – I can't be bothered to have an opinion about what to do, so let's just defer this to some other time. It also, to the extent that it is being advertised as bipartisan, is a recipe for a failure to get any progress on it. There are scholars who've already written about it. You can read about it yourself. Mm -hmm. You can figure out a good idea, and then you can advocate for it. Uh, It just seems like a lackluster response which is particularly bad politics in a world where if you think, as I do, that the undecided voter more or less doesn't exist, but to the extent they exist, they clearly don't care what your policies are. 
because otherwise they wouldn't be undecided, but rather that you have policies, that you are somebody who is willing to take stands and have principles and whatever. And the idea that my response to this very weighty issue is hunt seems like a problem. See, I mean, I, I think I would definitely prefer a candidate that had a more bold, more definitive plan, but I don't think that it, first of all, is a brush off. I think that although Americans generally don't like committees, what they do love is bipartisan support. They they love a good bipartisan recommendation. And I think it'll depend which scholars from both sides of the aisle wind up being, you know, or whoever mm-hmm. winds up filling out this committee, assuming that there is a Biden administration, knock on wood. But um, I do think that bipartisan sort of efforts are wildly popular. So I think that that is definitely something that I think could be good. Um, I also think that, it also is a very strong signal that why we'll treat it differently than the current Trump administration. Biden's whole reason why he got the nomination in the first instance is like return to normal. Let's go back. Right. And we've had a tremendous amount of upheaval in the country, just politically in terms of norms, in terms of all this kind of stuff that's happened. And I think that what he's trying to signal perhaps not as articulately as as it could be signaled, but what he's trying to signal is like, we need to get back to a level of professionalism, a level of thoughtfulness. Uh, and we can't be bold for the sake of being bold. We have to be very deliberate in our actions. And that's, that's a Biden brand, mm-hmm. you yeah, know, and, I mean. and, and I get it. I will kind of reserve my final judgment to see who's actually on, you know, the committee. But I think that there are a lot of, not necessarily Republican, because I think that it's become too partisan, but I do think there's a lot of conservative legal scholars who might be much more willing to engage in actual discussion. I don't know, but yeah, I, 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 it'll, be, it'll be interesting. I, I, I'm going to push back on the idea that yeah. people like bipartisanship. Okay. There's no real evidence of this. We constantly, <laughs> we, we constantly have these situations where, you know, Democrats get elected and say, we're going to put a Republican in the cabinet mm-hmm. because blah, blah, blah. And they do all these overtures. And then the response is the Republicans say, we don't do any of that. We got elected. Screw you. And this doesn't seem to change anyone's opinion uh, one way or the other. Sure. And there, I think there's I mean, there's just uh, like the myth of the undecided voter. And they do exist, but they are a very increasingly small number of people sure. is People don't actually care about bipartisanship. The vast majority of people who vote in the country choose one side or the other consistently. And to the extent there's people in the middle, there's no evidence to suggest that showing kindness and uh, generosity to the other side is the way to bring them on board. We just don't see it, uh, no matter what people say. I think that that is – I'm not saying that's – untrue. But I do think that the uh, average kind of Democratic voter actually puts a value on bipartisanship, even though they're clearly in one category. They There is a certain segment of sort of the the Clinton, yeah. Obama kind of world that's, that puts a strong value on bipartisanship as a value and, and but compromise I agree with as that. a value. I, well, I agree with that, but I think I'm I'm one of these people who thinks that the value they put on it is they think it is persuasive to some undecided population that I don't think is true. I think this is a myth that has become conventional wisdom among them and that in reality it doesn't result in any picking up undecided voters and if they knew for a fact that it did not do that they wouldn't hold this value but alas uh it just seems as though this mm-hmm. was a a bit of a punt uh which is Annoying, I mean, especially because sure, it's annoying. But I also think it's it's probably not going to change anyone's opinion. Right. I mean, look, I and I'm I'm record not, numbers of people have already voted. Sure, but like, yeah, but it's it's not about the voting as much as which actually 
Interesting. Doubles down proves my point, right? To the extent it's not about the voting, then there's really no logic in trying to pitch this, we're going to be bipartisan garbage. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think that the, I am not one of these folks who believes that court expansion should be the first response. I think it's a bad idea as a matter of reform. I think that there are major reforms that need to happen to the courts, but that's not a particularly good or targeted one, Mm -hmm. and that there are other options available. But I don't think there needs to be a commission to flesh them out. They're out there. We've all written about them. I write like these kind of pop culture-ish articles about mm-hmm. them for like the masses. But sure, but Lawrence scholars, Tribe, yeah. <laughs> scholars are writing this. It's sure. out there. It is known. You don't need a commission to flesh this out, especially when you consider that the kinds of people who would end up on a commission of practitioners and so on and so forth are people who are you know doing good work but are functionally lobbyists, right? Mm-hmm. They are people who represent powerful interests in what they want to do, and that's how they want this court structured so that they can continue to do that. And, you know, that's all well and good, but not necessarily the people who should be invited into the reform discussion. Anyway, but but I will say, but but I also think that, like, if it's if it's focused as there will be court reform, what should the reform be that is already left of center? Yeah, I I guess. Yeah, Um, I'm I'm not sure it begins with that discussion is the problem. Uh, I I think that's a precondition that you're putting on it that would be more favorable. Anyway, alas, it's. It's not uh, not encouraging. It's not, it's not the best thing I've ever heard, but far from the worst news of the day. Yeah, no, it's um, just you know. Yeah, I mean, there's I get, a I there's a lot saying. written out there, and they can just figure it out on their own. You know, speaking of finding things that are well written, that are written, and you know, probing the record. Sure. Are you looking for a true alternative to LexisNexis or Westlaw? You could save thousands this year if you switched to Case Text. Over 7,000 law firms from solos to 40% of the Amlaw 100 use Case Text for legal research. Above the Law podcast listeners can go to casetext.com slash above the law podcast to try Case Text for free for two weeks. For $65 per month, you'll get access to 50 state and federal case law statutes and more with zero out-of-plan fees. Free for two weeks at casetext.com slash above the law podcast. So mm-hmm. continuing our occasional conversations about weird and troubling scandals in this world, there was a deposition that got released. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Ghislaine Maxwell case, you know, obviously associate of uh, Jeffrey Epstein and is currently facing charges, uh, six federal charges, including um, inducing a minor to commit illegal sex acts. So, you know, not great for, for her. Uh, so the, it, previous to that, she had given a deposition in 2016 in a defamation case about the underlying allegations and the Miami Herald uh, sued for a copy of the deposition as well as other um, mm-hmm. documents and um, it was released today. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, and Slate pretty quickly uh, put out an article being like, we have cracked the code because obviously there have been redact- privacy redactions made uh, in the publicly released documents um, and they have figured them out. So this happens a lot. It, with- it happens. So in, now, yeah. And now I'm going to speak to your kind of e-discovery background yes. here. Yes. So as a journalist, one of the things that you often do when you see a released document that's mm-hmm. been redacted, mm-hmm. what's the first thing that I as a journalist do when I get a redacted document? Copy and paste. That's right. I select all 
and then paste it into something because there's unfortunately a mm-hmm. high number of people, or actually fortunately from my perspective, yeah. a high number of people that remain stupid enough to think that putting the little redaction things Box on, on the document on top of it means that it disappears forever. But if you copy and paste it, that just appears as a little bit of code next to the original yep. text yep. and you can just read the document pure. Yes. Yes. Uh, and, and so when I saw Slate's headline, we've cracked the Ghislaine Maxwell deposition. Yeah. I was like, copy and paste strikes again. But thankfully, uh, it, as sort of, uh, some people seem to have figured out that that is, a, you know, that that's a thing. And they well, did lots of people have figured it out. Right. Yeah. And they did not do that. <laughs> they did here. not. They, they did. did not. They, they correctly redacted. Mm-hmm. So good for them. Yeah. So how did they screw this up <laughs> in another boneheaded way? Well, there's an index. Right, because depositions have indexes at the end. Well, I'm surely they would have redacted the names that they were supposed to redact in the index, they too. They did. Well, yeah. Okay, they did. They okay, did. well, then why would they be able to crack it then? Well, a bunch of different reasons. Uh, so part of it is because it's alphabetized. Oh, the alphabet. The alphabet. Oh, you know, new technology is getting people every day. Uh, the alphabet. The alphabet. The alphabet. Um, so for, for one of the examples, um, they were able to piece together the word that was redacted in the index. It was right before clock. Right. It was before clock and right after, like, clap or something yeah. like that. And it's yeah. like, huh. What, what name that have been implicated? So it has to be a, a, a proper name, right? Because it's mm-hmm. it's privacy redaction. So you know it's proper name. Who has been implicated in the Jeffrey Epstein scandal? Discussions. Yeah. Ah, so this could be Clinton. Oh, you get a prize. And you know it could actually be easier to figure out when it's revealed that sometimes that name comes up without being so, a privacy issue, meaning that they could so cross reference. Actually, I, I believe in the Clinton example, it yeah. was. They, it appears to be they actually refer to President Clinton. It seems as if it was a on page one thirty five. It seems like it should have been redacted. I don't know why that okay. particular page is not redacted. But uh, when they're talking about Prince Andrew, mm-hmm. uh, that's another one that they were able to crack. You know, he was also implicated in the scandal. Uh, and it's Andrew and Andrew's plural have both been, they pieced together, have both been redacted. And part of the way they're able to figure it out is that uh, one of the attorney's office is on North Andrew's Boulevard. Oh, my God. And so that's not redacted properly. But does show but up as one of the things. But it appear in the index. Because the index is computer generated. Yes. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yes. So that appears in the index. So they're able to piece together that is Andrews. That's so they're a able shame. to figure it out that way. Um, Alan Dershowitz, they were able to put together because both Alan and Dershowitz are separately indexed. And you can see um, from that context, the only AL word and DE word right. <laughs> that kind of makes sense. Uh, particularly, there are several instances of them appearing right next to one another. Oh, there you go. So, yeah. Yeah, so this is uh, this is the practice pointer mm-hmm, section mm-hmm. of the show uh, mm-hmm. where we talk to people about how when you're redacting things, perhaps mm-hmm. a smart move would be, A, not to send it out in a way where if we copy and paste it, we can figure everything right. out. That, but that additionally, the alphabet can trip you up, especially if there's a computer-generated index. So Yeah, you know, paying attention to what's in the index, redacting the actual citations that the index has would, you know, also help as well. So if all the page numbers were redacted, you wouldn't be able to say this particular redaction is on this particular page. Mm-hmm. Um, so that might be a way to do it better for the next time. Run the run the thing through the indexer again, but after all of the, mm-hmm. after the redactions, all of the redactions yes. are in it, this would be another option. Yes, yes. Uh, there's just, there's just so there's a plethora yeah. 
if you will, of ways that you could have done this without giving journalists a basically unredacted copy. But yeah, and uh, there's a bunch of others that they figured out. And with a call, a Slate has, has made a call to to figure out even more because it's just about fi- having the time to figure out the context and deciding that it's worth it. You know, like, look, I feel bad for whoever is the low person on the totem pole whose sure. job it was to sure. do this. But this is a life lesson. Uh, if you're out there in litigation in particular, there will be a time when you are asked to put together a redacted copy of mm-hmm. something. And this is why we talk about this. This is why we tell you, mm-hmm. hey, don't let it be this thing to be copy and paste. Don't, right. you know, let this right. happen. And, and I mean, listen. Or for, do as journalists sure. and say fine. Sure. But I mean, but as your friends, as for, as lawyer friends, we tell you. Yeah. And I will say that, you know, uh, except for the, the Clinton example, it seems as if, you know, the redactions were done correctly, but very by the letter of the negotiated terms, as mm-hmm. opposed to looking and thinking about what you're trying to actually protect. And it's it's good. A lot of times things like, and I have spent in my lifetime, lots, like hundreds, hundreds, probably thousands of hours of my life making redactions. Mm -hmm. That is just a fact of my life. Thousands of hours I've spent redacting documents. But you have to, and it's boring and it's time consuming. I've had to redact thousand page spreadsheets. Talk about awful. But, 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 you have to, as much as it was boring and as time consuming as it may be, you have to think about what you're doing and why you're doing it. And if there's, you know, when you're in there and you're making redactions, like, listen, I'm just doing what I was told. I was told to redact every instance of the word and, you know, I was just every yeah. instance. I'm just doing what I was told, but not thinking about what it looks like to, why? to new eyes that yep. are getting it. You know, you're doing your ultimate client a disservice. Yeah. And with that very serious note, uh, I think we should wrap it up here because we've gone. Uh, thank you for listening. You should be subscribed to the show. You should give it reviews, stars, as well as write something. Mm-hmm. Writing shows engagement, and that shows the podcasting overlords that uh, people enjoy the show and gets us into more indices that say, hey, this is a law show and people should listen to it. So that's very good and would be a huge help. You should be reading above the law as always. You should be uh, following. I'm at Joseph Patrice. She's at Catherine One, the numeral one, both on Twitter. You should be listening to her show, The Jabot. You can also check me out on the Legal Tech Weekly Roundup. Mm -hmm. Uh, You should be listening to the other offerings of the Legal Talk Network, and you should... What else? Anything else? I think that's it. I think that is it. So thank you again, of course, to Contract Tools by Paper Software. And with all of that said, we will check in with you all sometime next week. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. You can also find us at AboveTheLaw.com, ATLRedline.com, iTunes, RSS, Twitter, and Facebook. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. I was trying not to. It's just... That particular transition is fantastic. All right, stop, stop, stop. All right, out. (laughs) 
Are you going to handle the rest of it solo? Are no. you going to pull a tube in? No. God. <laughs> this is our best show ever. And I'm sure, and I'm sure no one's going to hear any of it. Uh, okay. Are you quite done? Are you quite done, madam? <laughs>